Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Thursday, January 21st. We begin with a discussion surrounding President Joe Biden's cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline project south of the border. We speak with Minister of Natural Resources Seamus O'Regan on what the next steps will be from our federal government. Then we get reaction on the Keystone decision from Tim Pickering of Auspice Capital Investors. We get Tim's thoughts on the impact the move will have on jobs and the economy both in Alberta and across the nation. Next, we catch up with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business for a look at a new report which presents some startling numbers on the future of small businesses in our province, a report that projects 22% could permanently close because of the pandemic. And finally, we've all heard of plant-based meat, but what about plant-based leather? We speak with an Albertan entrepreneur about her new line of products made of cactus leather. Coming up to 7.09 on the morning news, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney was fired up addressing the province yesterday after President Joe Biden signed an executive order cancelling the approval of the Keystone XL pipeline. If, however, the U.S. government refuses uh, to open the door to a constructive and respectful dialogue about these issues, then it is clear that the government of Canada must impose meaningful trade and economic sanctions in response to defend our country's vital economic interests. Joining us now is the Federal Minister of Natural Resources, Seamus O'Regan, to discuss what the next steps are for Ottawa with the pipeline being stopped. Minister, thank you for joining us this morning. Andrew, Sue, thanks very much. Well, first out the gate, uh, you, uh, I'm hoping you heard the clip from Jason Kenney there. Uh, would you support the idea of economic sanctions against Canada's top trading partner? You know, I was watching him live, in fact, last night, of course. Uh, look, I would say this firstly, and I think uh, first people I'd like to speak to were the, you know, the hundreds perhaps thousands of workers who will be affected by this. And uh, that is a you know, great concern to the federal government. I know it's a great concern to the provincial government as well. Um, it makes the urgency of our work uh, even greater. I think, to answer your question, the windshield uh, is bigger than the rearview mirror. Um, I, I say that because I think this is obviously an administration that is moving very quickly. 98% of our number one export in Canada, which is Alberta crude, goes to one customer and uh you know the marketplace is pretty much the same whether you're you know shopping at a store or whether you're dealing with uh you know millions of barrels of oils that are that are shipped across our border every day the customers changed they want something different their demands are different we have to sit down and listen to them this relationship is incredibly important to the prosperity of alberta to the workers of alberta and to the whole country so that is what we need to explore right now i mean the, the premier made a number of comments yesterday that i noted and one of them also was you know we but the federal government, the prime minister, immediately entered into talks with the Biden administration on the cancellation of Keystone in the context of a broader agreement on energy supply and climate action. And, and that is where we want to be. The fact of the matter is this is an administration that is more closely aligned with the federal government and where we are on climate change, climate change energy, security, and the competitiveness of our companies. But, you know, a lot has changed over the four years of Trump. In fact, the Alberta and Saskatchewan governments, and I was speaking to Sonia Savage and Brown Lanier yesterday morning, their governments are, are more aligned with this administration in their commitments to ESG. And our industry, which has lowered emissions intensity dramatically over the course of the past decade, they are more in line with it. So my hope is that is that dealing with this new administration, sitting down with them, working on domestic North American energy security, will just solidify that relationship and make sure that our customer is happy. 
All that to say, Minister, do you believe that going forward with the the relationship between our two countries and the relationship between the two men, is the Keystone XL decision, is it final or is there still room to look at this moving forward? Well, there, you know, there was a predictability to to this. Um, we you know, we knew back in May uh, when Joe Biden uh, dug in on this. It was a major campaign commitment to solidify his nomination as, as the Democratic candidate uh, going in for president. We knew that. We started talking to Alberta straight about, away about this. I'm on the on the phone with Sonny Savage just about every week. And then after President Biden won. She and myself, James Rashad, who's the Alberta government's envoy in Washington, started speaking weekly uh, about working with the embassy on the ground, with Ambassador Hillman. We went full court press to make our case. Uh, This pipeline, KXL, was very different in 2020, 2021 than it was in 2015. The company, basically, they ticked off every box in terms of the future Mm -hmm. of transporting oil, net zero operations. Uh, at pumping stations, he had solar wind power by 2023, working with indigenous communities on both sides of the border and locking in good union jobs. So we knew this was coming. We, we, looking at everything that we know of Joe Biden and what we know of Jennifer Granholm, who's the former governor of Michigan, uh, who will be coming in as the energy secretary for the U.S. and who, by the way, is half Newfoundlander. So uh, you know, being a Newfoundlander, I'm, I'm planning on playing that card as often mm-hmm. as I can. That, that means that they are very practical, sensible people who do not like surprises. So we want to create an environment where there are no future surprises in our relationship. We know where we stand. Like I said, our goals are very, very much aligned on all our governments uh, in making sure that we have a competitive and secure domestic supply of oil. You mentioned a couple of times, Minister, about keeping that uh, customer happy, referring to the U.S. and the market, uh, which we're so closely tied to. Uh, perhaps we have to broaden. Do, do you see any other opportunities to, uh, you know, get our product that is much needed across the globe? Uh, are there any other alternatives that you can see, uh, you know, as far as getting our product to, to those other customers, if you will? Look, Line 3 is under construction. Uh, TMX is under construction. As you know, those projects are happening. Thousands of people are at work. Certainly makes the case for TMX. Um, Certainly gives an urgency to that to make sure that we diversify our market. That was the intent behind TMX. um, So that, uh, you know, know, that 98% of our product isn't just going to one customer and that we can get a, a better price for our product. So certainly makes the case for TMX. Next for federal government, uh, you know, when it comes to Alberta and our economy, which is in dire straits, obviously, when it comes to energy, somebody else asking about Energy East, where does that fall for you? Well, if a you know, proponent comes forward, I think what we have now is a, is a solid process uh, to make sure that good projects get built in a, in a good way. And TMX is happening. Uh, Line 3 is happening. Um, you know, uh, same with uh, Nova Gas. We are getting these projects built because uh, we, we made sure that we, we did consultations with indigenous communities the right way. Um, and, you know, that has, it has to hold up in court. It has to pass a test. We we're greatly relieved a couple of years ago when, uh, you know, the Federal Court of Appeal unanimously uh, sided with us, said, look, yeah, you know, they're going about it the right way now. We, you know, we had a few, uh, few court decisions that went against us over the years. And, and now, you know, we have a process in place where we can make sure that we are working with people on the ground to make sure it happens. Um, you know, particularly indigenous communities, and that people's voices get heard, but we have a definitive timeline that industry and investors can look at and say, okay, this is the timeline. 
this is how we get a project done. Uh, for me, you know, believe it or not, it's all about process. Uh, nobody wants to hear that from a government minister. Sometimes process, though, is really important because if you get it right, stuff gets built. Uh, and that's what we want to do. The, the timing of that process, uh, Minister, we know that uh, TC Energy put the brakes on any work when it uh, surrounded K, uh, KXL the day before the inauguration in anticipation of this. So you can, uh, you know, if you can speak to those folks who, who got that phone call or got that text or email to come back home or just stop what you're doing, put down the shovels uh, when we're hearing that it's, you know, it is a process. Can we give any kind of a timeline on uh, how aggressive you, you expect to be in these conversations to, to try and move things along? President uh, and uh, the Prime Minister are going to be speaking on Friday. Uh, you know, they'll be talking about KXL, and, and you know, to the Premier's point, they will be talking about that in the broader context of energy supply and climate action between our two countries. Um, I had a conversation late last night with Francois Poirier, the, the CEO of TC Energy, and I assured him that, look, the direction you were going in uh, with KXL was exactly right. Um, you know, it's, I know today is discouraging, but we are determined to work with them and to work with the unions uh, to get, make sure that good projects get done between our two countries. I was on the phone with Sean Strickland and Lionel Raven uh, yesterday, too, um, and speaking to them, uh, you know, to their membership through them. Um, it puts an urgency on governments working together. And, and I, look, I'll tell you as well, earlier this week, sat down with the CEOs from the oil sands uh, and Minister Savage um, to talk about how uh, the competitiveness of the industry and the competitiveness of the industry is now dependent on net zero targets. It's what investors are looking for. Um, we're actually really good at this. We have gotten our emissions intensity down in a dramatic way. Uh, we have a good product to sell, and that's what we will go to the Americans with. And frankly, I will be speaking to the energy secretary once she is confirmed uh, and I will be, you know, she is very much tied to unions. Uh, she uh, helped Michigan weather the, the recession and, and the crash that occurred for, uh, you know, bankrupt automakers and the salvaging that they that had to occur there. And I will make the case that, look, KXL is exactly what we need to be doing. They were on to the right thing. And I, I get that, you know, you guys had to do some, some politics here. But this is the direction. This is the future. And it is imperative that our countries work together right now to get people back to work. Albertans will be watching closely what the federal government does moving forward on this issue. Thanks so much for your time, Minister, this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you both. That is Seamus O'Regan, Minister of Natural Resources for the Liberal Government of Canada. Time 7.20 on the morning news. We continue our discussion on what the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline means for Alberta and on a larger scale Canada as a whole. Tim Pickering with Auspice Capital Investors joins us now with his thoughts on the matter. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning. It's interesting because the conversation surrounding this um, I think uh, over the past uh, 24 hours when we got the announcement, I believe it was late yesterday afternoon, is uh, a lot of people not shocked but disappointed. Mm. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, much the same. I mean, it was pretty clear Biden um, was uh, set to do this. Um, so it should shock no one. Um, I don't think it shocked uh, uh, TC Energy. Um, doesn't feel good. Um, I think... Um, I think some of the response out of Premier Kenny yesterday was 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 bang on. I mean, we needed to get in front of this, and and uh, given it was a campaign promise, I think federally um, there was things that could have been done in advance. What kind of things do you think could have been done? I mean, as you say, it was a campaign promise for Joe Biden, and it seemed like it was going to be something he did because he had promised it, and it was going sure. to you know come to fruition no matter what. 
Yeah, but if we look back, I mean, uh, in, you know, incoming presidents and, and recent presidents have uh, made all sorts of promises and then saw the light. I mean, we we saw our federal government, and this was pointed out by Premier Kenny yesterday, that, um, you know, the Trudeau federal government fought uh, um, the U.S. Uh, steel and aluminum ter- tariffs that were imposed by Trump, um, ripping up the NAFTA agreement and the attack on the auto industry, and, and they went right to the U.S., uh, made a case and, and fought back and, and had success. And I think that uh, given the importance of this from a from a, a national level, um, there's more that could have been done instead of just uh, waiting for it to all unfold. Having said that, you know now's the time to uh, to come out of your corner and fight. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk a, a ton about you know not only how much has been invested by the province into KXL, but the monies that would be brought in with jobs and for the economy. Yep. Uh, do we know uh, uh, the impact that something like this pipeline would have financially on the U.S. and, and what they'd have uh, to gain from having this? I mean, it, there's a lot of numbers being thrown around. What we do know is that um, it's a significant amount of jobs, a significant amount of union jobs and unions that supported Joe Biden, Biden in his uh, run for presidency. So we believe that there's going to be a, a fairly staunch reaction from from many of these unions in the U.S., um, given that phase of the project was just about to kick in. Um, so I think that it's not just the Canadian uh, complaint here that, that we're being wronged. I think that they're going to get significant pressure uh, from within their own country. Quick answer, Tim. Do you believe that Keystone is dead? No. Okay. I like to hear that. Good. I hope that, that gives no, me and I'm a little op- hope moving forward. Yeah, I'm an optimist. I mean, it, it, here's the reality is, is per TC Energy, it's suspended, not cancelled. So that's clear words. Um, it doesn't feel good where we are, um, but it didn't feel good, as I said, for the steel and aluminum businesses and, and, and you know, regarding NAFTA and the auto industry in the, in the last few years either. So I think there's still optimism. I, I think uh, Kenny's approach is right here, and I think the feds need to step up right now. Thanks for joining us, Tim. Appreciate it. Anytime. That is Tim Pickering, Auspice Capital Investors. According to a new report from the CFIB, 34,500 small businesses in Alberta are actively considering closing their doors permanently or claiming bankruptcy because of the pandemic. That number has increased significantly over the past few months. Annie Dormuth is the Director of Provincial Affairs with Alberta CFIB and joins us now with more details. Good morning, Annie. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for being here. Talk to us a little bit about these numbers. How much have those numbers increased since your initial report back in June of last year? Well, the number went from 19% of Alberta small businesses to 20%, uh, sorry, 22% of Alberta small businesses actively at risk of closing right now, which is an increase of around 2,000 businesses altogether within that time frame. So it's definitely quite concerning that we are seeing this increase um, over over the course of the, uh, the better half of uh, 2020. Annie, what industries are, are getting hit the hardest? Well, as we've seen throughout the entire duration of the pandemic, the main industries have the, that have fared the worst or have been really kind of limping along and struggling are those, in, are those businesses in the hospitality and arts and recreation sectors. So chiefly among those, of course, the tourism, restaurant, hotel businesses, as well as those gyms and venues and arts and culture businesses that are really struggling right now. And those are the businesses that are more at risk of closing. 
Uh, we're talking, of course, about data from the CFIB survey done in January. Uh, can you give us uh, some more numbers and, and how they certainly reflect for us here in this province? Well, of course, every time that a business unfortunately has to shutter its doors and completely close, that does mean that some people will be out of a job. So with these numbers of around 34,500 Alberta small businesses actively closing, that actually puts 600, around 600 jobs also at risk and being put onto unemployment, which really makes up in Alberta 41% of all private sector jobs, which is the highest in Canada and really quite concerning um, when it comes to the overall health of the economy. You know, Annie, obviously you're laser focused on our province, but I'm wondering if, if you have any idea of the comparisons to Alberta and the other provinces in where we stand and compare. Well, when it comes to job losses, we are the highest by at least 10% in comparison to the other provinces, which again is quite concerning. I believe the second highest number, um, the second kind of highest number there would be the province of PEI at around 30%. When it comes to overall job loss, sorry, business closures, as we saw in the summer months um, as well, um, Alberta is leading the pack on the highest percentage of businesses actively considering closing. Again, that that kind of points to the overall kind of health of Alberta's economy. You know, it was pretty battered and bruised heading into 2020. And unfortunately, the impacts of the pandemic have really hit Alberta small businesses quite hard in comparison to other provinces that, you know, relatively have more restrictions on businesses in comparison to Alberta. Um, looking at Ontario, 16% of their small businesses are at risk of closing. And again, in Alberta, that number is around 22. Wow. Shockingly high. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you so much for having CFIB on the show. That is Annie Dormuth, Director of Provincial Affairs for the Canadian Federation of Independent Business in Alberta. 909. Today, a big day for Alberta's luxury brand Poppy Barley as they release their first line of sustainable plant-based accessories made from cactus leather. Joining us with details is Justine Barber, Poppy Barley co-founder. Morning, Justine. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Okay, let's start with this cactus leather. Say what? I mean, explain. What is this product? Yeah, it's, it's leather harvested from cactus leaves that looks and feels almost exactly like leather. It's hard to distinguish the two. Okay, well, how do you, how do you make it from a cactus to a garment, if you can break down that process for us? I'm not the creator. I know that there's a mix of, it's 62% cactus leaves, um, and then with a patented complex manufacturing process. Um, it's made in Mexico, where we also manufacture, and it was only developed about, 12 months ago. So it's brand new on the market. Okay. Who came up with it? Who, who, who looked at a cactus and went, wait a minute, we should be making leather out of this thing. You know what? There's so much innovation right now in this space as everyone's just looking for better, more sustainable material options, both within leather and as, as alternatives to leather. Justine, we all know what leather looks like, but what does cactus leather look like? If you can give us a description of the, the appearance and the feel. Honestly, like we had to brand our cactus leather products with a deserto medallion on them because it looks and feels like leather. It's actually hard to tell. And I say that as someone who I've been working creating leather products for eight years. So it's soft. I mean, obviously the cactus prickles are not in it, but the actual product, once it's, it's finished, it's, it's soft like a nice leather. 
Yeah, it has. What was really remarkable about cactus leather for us, because we were at the time sampling with pineapple leather and looking at other alternatives, is that cactus leather actually has the suppleness and the hand feel of leather. Mm. Pineapple leather, sweet. (laughs) Juicy. There's a whole world out there. Uh, Mushroom leather, pineapple leather, apple leather, like there's a lot um, of options, but for us, it was like the yeah how leather like cactus leather was combined with the fact that it's grown 200 kilometers from where we manufacture that made cactus leather the best choice for us. Okay, you mentioned that you have experience with leather, and we know how versatile leather is. You can mm-hmm. uh, make all sorts of colors and designs. How about the versatility of cactus leather? Can can you color it? You can, but we haven't done that yet. To be honest, in the past year as we've been developing our cactus leather line there's also been this global pandemic mm-hmm. which has made it more challenging so we're starting with three products that range from 48 dollars to 348 and they're all black okay so these are products i mean so you're a, a calgary-based company where do we find them and 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 what what products are you actually putting out there right now yeah definitely so we have a store in market mall in calgary we're also online at poppybarley.com So there's three products. The first is a little card holder, like a little wallet kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The second is a belt bag, which is a two-way, very kind of trendy purse. So you can wear it um, crossbody or you can wear it as a a belt bag, kind of like a fanny pack idea. And that one's retailing for $158. And then we have a multitasker backpack, which I've been using every day for the past nine months. It carries water bottles, it carries your laptop, it has pockets for everything, and it's all made of cactus leather. Cool. Justine, how about the durability of the product? I'm thinking, you know, leather cowboy boots, I can get a pair of those. Could I get a pair of cactus boots? We haven't done footwear yet. Um, We've started with accessories, not because there's a difference in durability, but because footwear has a lot of different components that you also then need to, to recreate. But, I mean, I've been carrying my backpack every day for almost a year now and it is similar again to leather you can also just wipe it with a damp cloth well so it's a little bit different in how you care for it but it is also very easy to care for i think uh you know for stampede cactus leather boots are a must down the line for sure uh let's talk about though there are are, you know but yes leather is the term leather comes from an (laughs) animal obviously but we we also hear a lot about vegan leather as of late but that's a plastic so you've gone completely you know counter to that yeah so we really we still believe that leather is a good option um Leather is a byproduct of meat. Leather is very yeah, durable, resistant. And we work with gold-certified tanneries that recycle the water and the chemicals used to make leather. So we've been for years looking at improving the leather that we use. But we've really resisted doing a traditional vegan leather because it is plastic-based. Mm-hmm. And we didn't feel that that was a step forward in terms of reaching our sustainability goals. So it was really only when we started getting into these very new plant-based materials that we thought like, here's like a more sustainable vegan option that we can really like be proud of. And also that's more, again, luxurious going with the rest of our brand. It doesn't feel like plastic because it's not plastic. Got a great text in Justine. The texter asks the question of, does this leather freeze or get stiff in the cold? No, it doesn't actually. Um, we had serious conversations with them about that because obviously they're Mexican and we're Canadian. And we were like, no, seriously, like mm-hmm. this, you know, it gets very cold where we live. And it's been lab tested down to minus 30 degrees Celsius. 
Well, it sounds like Poppy Barley is is being super innovative. So how many people within the company, how many do you employ? And, and you know, there's a chance to plug, you know, a nice local business that's starting to do really well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we have about um, 30 people. So a store in Edmonton, a store in Calgary, and then everything is designed and created also in Alberta. Love it. Let's talk to you. You say that you have to, you know, make sure and label it as such so people are aware that it's cactus and not leather because it's you know, so similar in its appearance. Uh, what has reaction been and what do people say when they, when they grab the products and you have to say, this is made of cactus? <laughs> you know what? We're just launching it today. So, I mean, so far it's more been, it hasn't been public. So internally people are like, really? Really? <laughs> but today it goes live on our website and in store. So, I mean, stop by and check it out and... I would say see cactus leather for yourself. It's a really exciting material. Well, congratulations. Great local success story. Thanks for joining us this morning, Justine. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. That's Justine Barber, who is Poppy Barley co-founder. And again, poppybarley.com. But yeah, cactus leather. Who'd have thunk it? You know what? The different, uh, you know, we hear plant-based. And I think plant-based has been a love-hate in our province Mm because we love Alberta beef until you try one of those Beyond Meat burgers. And you say, wow, this is not so bad. Now I know that there's even, you know, uh, there's a company called Jardine that does chicken and uh, different meats in, in the frozen aisles. So the different applications uh, for plants, and we're seeing those even in hemp. Remember years ago when somebody said, okay, I, I make a, a hemp jacket or a hemp bracelet, and you think, oh, that's pot. Yeah. It, a lot of it, <laughs> we, We've grown since then, haven't we? A lot of it is education, yeah. and, and we can use these different materials and earlier, we talked, we've talked a lot on this program about non-renewable resources, such as oil, for example. If you can't tell the difference and you want that leather coat, um, cactus could be an option. Maybe. Nice and soft. It's no pineapple leather, but... That is sweet.